You're listening to Ithaca is Music, the stories behind the songs. We are exploring the local music scene here in Ithaca, New York. Located in the Finger Lakes and home to Cornell University, this small town is full of talented musicians. We intend to ask them questions about their craft and have them perform in front of our live audience. I'm Jeff Goodmark. This week we bring you Anna Coogan, and all I can say is wow, what a set. She blends pop, indie, and opera and makes it sound like a movie score in a way that you will not believe. A quick note on our format, as we welcome artists to the stage, they will perform four songs. The first song they wrote or performed with their current band, the song they identify as their greatest achievement, the song their fans say is most popular, and a new song. Then the artist will take over the stage and perform the rest of their set. This week's episode is made possible by Ithaca Bakery. The coolest part about working in this experience has been working with bands like you. It's also been working with our amazing sponsor, Ithaca Bakery. Yeah, let's give it up, honestly. I love Ithaca Bakery. I do too. What's On like my your, own accord, I feel what, free to say that. What's like your favorite drink at Ithaca Bakery? What's your go-to? Oh, black coffee. It's a solid choice. And a King Dustin sub. My, oh, my favorite morning yes. breakfast sandwich was the Big Sur. Yes. I go the CTBLT, add turkey on focaccia with sprouts. Ooh. Yeah. Mine is the octopus. Turkey, Swiss, and coleslaw on pumpernickel bread. And I can get it delivered right to the studio. And now let's get the show on the road and go down to lot 10 with our host, Victoria DeBerry. You're in the hot seat, except you're standing. I'm standing. You're standing. <laughs> um, standing in front of a stage asking you to play songs. That's where we are. Um, so. This is your band, Anna Coogan, and your band is you. Yeah. And you say you formed on April 14th, 1981. That's the day. I believe that life <laughs> begins at birth. <laughs> <laughs> a musician's life begins at birth. <laughs> wow, that sounds like a line in a song that we should write eventually. It does. Now let's talk about, we're considering this the first song you ever played. This was, or, or sort of wrote back into um, electric guitar. This was the, what, the first song you you wrote on your electric guitar, is that what I'm understanding? It was one of the first songs. I was unwilling to put out the first song I ever <laughs> wrote. <laughs> that would just be really another sad thing. Um, <laughs> but this was kind of the song that brought me into the next phase of my musical life in my mid-early 30s, um, coming out of a whole slew of other kinds of music. And I was playing with Willie B, and I was making a record with a guy named J.D. Foster. And, this song just kind of came to me, although I'm, I'm meddling it. I do a lot of medleys these days. I gotta warn everyone. I'm, just, we're, I'm so <laughs> Every here for song it. is gonna be like 37 minutes long. <laughs> That's fine. We have time. But I'm meddling it with one of the first songs I, I've ever known in my life. So I thought that was sort of a good combination. <laughs> um, so this is Two Brothers and Birth of Stars. Talk to me sort of about the fact that this is a Civil War song or how you consider that to be so. Two Brothers is a song from the Civil War. Um, so okay. it's a song that I did not write. It's a song um, that, that, that is from that era. And it's about two brothers who go against each other and one is wearing a blue uniform and one is wearing a gray uniform. And you'll see how the song kind of progresses. So it's just a really stunning song and um, seems really pertinent right now as we sort of hurl at each other um, things. 
yeah. na- nasty, nasty things between between the sides. And so it's, it seems to me like a really good time to bring this song back. And then Birth of the Stars, um, I wrote after the bombings in Boston. I actually went to elementary school like two blocks away from Dance oh the Maypole, like right on that street. And um, just went back there for the first time in almost 20 years, just to that right where it happened. And um, it was just kind of like... How do you? How do you? How are you an eighteen-year-old kid from Cambridge, Massachusetts, and this happens? And so, I mean, yeah. that's sort of old history now at this point. Um, and how the songs run together is that they're both an A, that's <laughs> and they're fair. both very powerful songs about, you know, kind of life the way it is, not life the way we wish it was. All right. Well, let's hear the song then. Two Brothers, The Birth of the Stars by Anna Coogan. Two girls waiting by the railroad tracks Two girls waiting 
railroad tracks For their darlings to come back home One more blue and one more black One more blue and one more black Wait Can I? 
collective breath let's take a collective breath everyone ready and breathe in exhale Whew. all right cool I'm glad that we just did that <laughs> I want to talk to you for a quick second about happenstance versus intention like how how do you connect happenstance and intention and how do you do so um, um, I guess with these two songs and is there, is there is there a connection there well, I don't know. I don't ever sit down to, to do anything intentionally. I don't know. I mean, I think people do. And whenever I do that, it's always a disaster. Like, it's always <laughs> a, a really bad song. Same. When I try, it sucks. Yeah, yeah. And, and I had tried to write that song, The Birth of the Stars, for many, many sucky years before I sort of came around to um, where it's more like when the emotion is just so strong. Like, this happened where I danced the maypole. You know, that's, that's really close. I mean, that, that one was particularly close to home. They're all close in a lot of ways. My friends over here who know me know how hard the news hits me um, to the point where actually I have had to take a little bit more of a news vacation this last year than I think is probably legally acceptable. Same. Um, but it was, just too, it's just, it was just too much. And so this was back when I was really taking it all in. And, you know, every, every plane crash, every incident would just take me down. And I think that actually I'm going to go through the rest of my life with a little bit less of that because I just, I want to live, you know, I don't want to, yes. but you do get the songs out of it. But I also think I've kind of 
partially killed some of my career by just being such a downer when I get up and sing these songs. My greatest hero on earth is Phil Oaks, who um, took his life uh, when he was pretty young and wrote extraordinarily heavy songs, political songs, was sort of the counterweight to Bob Dylan, who had really made it, and Phil Oaks never did. And I mean, when you read the news, you can't help being a cynic. So I didn't feel like a cynicism from you, um, and I really liked how you provided sort of um, a moment of peace at the end where you said carry on. Yeah. So it's like, oh, this is going to go on. Like, this is going to go on. It's going to keep... I think it's like, going to go, go on. I think it's going to go on. <laughs> let's, um, let's talk about your most inspirational song, which is one of my favorites that I... I love this song. Um, it kind of keeps going with that space vibe. Yeah, there's a lot of space vibe. My I favorite songs it. are all spacey, yeah. Spacey. Not spacey as in like, but, but literal. Spacey as in like literal space. space, man. Yeah. yeah. Rocket man. Woman, if you will. And this is, the, this is the title track off of your most recent release. Um, amazing album. Like, so good. Seriously, it's, it's incredible. Um, I want to talk more about this sort of lonely cry you're talking about after we hear. I present to you the most inspirational slash greatest achievement from Anna Coogan. Here is the lonely cry of space and time. Where all 
just a thread but hope is strong so here we go cry lonely like why is why is the cry lonely but really why it's is just space like it's just like this one the sound of this um gravitational wave and and nobody's ever heard it until 2016 and it's just kind of like rippling through the universe it just seems so like i think that a lot of people think being lonely means you're sad yeah and this this is like the happiest song i've ever written it's it's really it, you know it really <coughs> is i mean it's just like wow gravitational waves are cool and like, wow, you've got these people who are getting up every day and going to work in the face of everything and discovering incredible things. Like, what a reason to get out of bed if you're looking True. for one. I kind of felt like the whole song was a gravitational pull. So, the, you know, the people are saying, show me another world. And then the cry comes to them. It's like, it's yeah, like, the world kind of found us, you know, because yeah. we're, we're looking for it. And I, I think I told you in that that um, this song was originally part of a score for a movie called Alita, Queen of Mars, which was yes. Like, very bizarre, um, many hour long, <laughs> early, early, early Soviet f um, film. Because you scored a couple different films, correct? Yeah, I think I'm going on four now. That's so epic. So, and how is that um, when you're scoring for a film versus writing for yourself? Where does it's so different? For for some reason, I just have not since I put out the Lonely Cry. That that record was like a bathtub drain. Like it just drained everything from me, and I just I haven't basically written another song, McSong or Songerson since like 2016 with a few small exceptions. But I've written all these film scores, so it's not like I'm not writing, but it's just like my brain needed to do something else and I didn't want to expose my own soul. 20, this record, the record that I put out um, and that I made in 2016 was sort of a prediction of everything to come and afterwards I was like, yeah, I got nothing else. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have anything further to say on the matter at this time. Yeah, Sia, who's um, a pop artist, well, she wasn't always like a main pop artist. She started off as kind of and alternative. she's so my hero. She, I love her. Oh my so God, she's she, incredible. She gets a lot of her inspiration from watching really shitty reality television. 
Well, and she yeah. just, like, I'm going to swing from the chandelier. Like, yeah. I didn't know that. But, but that's that a sad so song. It's a sad oh, it's song. It's so sad. Um, do you th- I mean, do you think that you could ever get to a point where you take some of these headlines that are just so daunting I hope regurgitate? So. I mean, right now it's kind of like, holy shit. <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? Like, oh my God. <laughs> People voted for this. Or just like, what? <laughs> huh? Yeah, so, huh? Who? So actually, I think maybe I just broke the, through the ice. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. It's just a lot. Yeah. Everyone give it up. She just, you, you were here. <laughs> Day, it's a, yeah, when we get to the new song, maybe we'll just write it right now. <laughs> Basically. Your most popular song. Um, let's, let's go into that. Um, now, you're, you're trained, classically trained for opera. Um, that's not in every single aspect of your song. Like I, you know, you you you, it's like a spectrum. Yeah, you gotta you gotta dole that out. When I first when I first started doing that, it was like oh, opera here and then here and then here and then there was it got. Some guys like play Phantom, yeah. and you're like no. <laughs> yeah, if someone asked for Phantom, they would get it though actually. Phantom. <laughs> <laughs> no more talk of darkness. For that Phantom. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Share with me one love. get up here. <laughs> Turn my head with talk of summertime. <laughs> Why would you say that this is mo- your most popular song? I don't know. This is not my favorite song that I've ever written, but, but every fan time I favorite. play it, Does it's have to be sort of a fan favorite. Okay, yeah, every yeah. time I play it, people just really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I put out the record, I got a lot of comments on this, which I almost didn't put on the record because I thought it was too much. This is like, is this half score, like half inspiration by you? This is almost all score. Oh, yeah, wow. This is from, so this is from the fall of the House of Usher, where um, Usher buries his wife alive because he loves her so much, which has got <laughs> so much metaphor in it that I oh just can't Oh my god. Even touch. They didn't have hashtag me too back then. No, they but did not. hashtag wow. Like it's incredible how much these films I'm doing one now that I'll do a song from next that um it so resonates with like women just this has not gone away. This was there then and it's there now and um and so yeah there wasn't it's funny this is a lot of my songs are like so emotional I can barely sing them. This was not ever one of them. But then people I'll look in the audience and there's like a dude like passed out in his beer crying, so it's, you know. Is that from the song, or is it just him being irresponsible? It's a really good question, but it's consistent enough with this song that I think it has something to do with it, yeah. <laughs> he started drinking more. <laughs> exactly. Um, I give you the fan favorite, most popular song from Anna Coogan. Here is A Wedding Vow. believe in love whatever that means 
pretty sure I've yell- I've heckled you at a show to be like, hey, do that opera one. And that was that the one was I was it. talking that about. That was the one. I mean, I didn't understand anything you just said, so it's totally fine. <laughs> That's probably for the better. As I'm singing, I'm like, wait a minute, did I get the grammar wrong again? Thank you. you say that a lot of people um, really relate to this song. Um, there's, a sen- there's a sort of rawness to it. Now, you're, an, you're incredibly intelligent. Um, you, you have a way of putting things in words, and I'm thinking about you know, the first song that you played, Two Brothers and The Birth of Stars. You're very intentional with your words. Oh, yeah. But I'm wondering if when you're writing for other people, that sort of meticulousness fades away. So then it becomes something a little bit more general that people can put their own interpretation on. That's what I would like my songs to be, because I really think the more specific it gets, like the worse... Yeah. The worse the song basically is, with a few really strong exceptions. Of course. Um, so I do try to keep them as general as possible um, when it's possible. You can't misinterpret how a star is born. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, but you could put your own take on, like, is that about love? Is that about of course. death? Is, yeah. You know, and, and you can sort of, wherever you are right now, you can put yourself in there. Whereas yeah. if it's like, do, well, I can't even think of a name because somehow I'm going to incriminate myself. But if you took a name and sung that name, and you were in a small town, and like it wouldn't go well. There's a sense of rawness that ha- that I that I'm hearing for the songs that you're writing with your scores. Yeah. That doesn't exactly happen with your with your writing. Yeah, I like to I like to keep a little distance from it a lot of the time. I think. Yeah. When when you're writing your songs or for the score? Oh, uh, when I'm writing my songs, yeah. Yeah. The score is more like I'm just writing what they're doing, so I'm not responsible for the behavior of these. People. That's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. No, I, th- I mean, I think that's, is it because you don't want to, like, be completely vulnerable, or is it just, like, self-preservation type of feel? Well, and also, like, for a long time, I've lived a fairly uh, stable, not particularly exciting personal life. So, you know, sometimes you just have to create scenarios. And then it's funny, they come back and haunt you, and you sing it, like, four years later, and you're like, oh, my God, I'm living that song right now. Wow. I wasn't then, but I am now. I, yeah, I totally had that. And the, or like you'll go back and be like, oh, that's what that song was about. Yeah, exactly. Like they, they make themselves known. Let's, um, let's talk about a new song. Okay. Or what did we, I didn't put a lot in there, you did, did it. I? You didn't, put, you didn't put anything for the new song, so I'm not... Well, so like I said, like I, I've never experienced a, a drought of songs like I have in the last few years. And I'm just going to let it happen because what else are you going to do? I've written a couple cutesy little songs for tours that are about like pontons. I wrote a song about this um, old British place that we stayed that was filled with Brexiteers and um, us. It was called Dustin Fleas and STDs, actually. Um, and that was sounds a huge... Like, sounds like college. It was a hu- well, it was a huge hit when I played it in England because people know what it is there, but it's just not going to be that funny here. So I think what I'm going to do is do a song from my upcoming opera, and I meant to bring the lyrics, but I didn't. And so this is like totally from the story that I'm writing to. Beatrice Fairfax was filmed in Ithaca, New York, 1916. It was one of the very first serial productions ever. Um, television I just read about that, actually, yeah. Yeah, so, so the Wharton Film Museum is doing a lot of, of stuff right now. Um, they had um, a, sil- I mean a, a play commissioned um, that one of our dear friends co-wrote. And, um, and it's really fun. It's one of these headphone plays that you get to walk around in and Ooh, that's go all cool. around the studio, which is Stuart Park. So I watched all the episodes, and um, one of the people involved with the, with the studio said, you know, we made a lot of innovative stuff, and most of it is not that great. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> plot-wise, plot-wise. Yeah, yeah, you know, we, were, we were really the forefront of this. 
Um, so I watched all these episodes. I just like, I cannot make an opera about this. this. is ridiculous. And then I came to this one episode that was called A Name for a Baby. And basically the premise, and this is 1916, so the premise is that this woman has had this baby by another man, and it has not been named yet because he won't, he won't name it because he's marrying, and he's a prominent lawyer in Ithaca, and he's marrying another woman, and he's not told her about this baby. What a dick. So this, this woman is living in sin, Somewhere in Stewart Park, and <laughs> and as, a pretty as, nice as house. As most women are. <laughs> yes, yeah, as, as one does, and um, it kind of goes downhill from there. So basically, she calls Beatrice Fairfax, who's an advice columnist, and she says, "I want a name for this baby. What should I do?" And then Beatrix and her trusty um, partner Jimmy, they go to Beatrix. They figure out who it is and that he's getting married in high society. Beatrix tells the new wife, the new fiance. And the, the, the lawyer guy goes to the, old, to the old girlfriend and says, I'm going to do the right thing, just give me time. And then he buys off this really creepy next-door neighbor to rape her and make her marry him. And it's, and it's really quite shocking. And there's this basically rape scene where the next-door neighbor kind of grabs her and ties her up, puts the baby away and says, I'm going to kill the baby if you don't marry me. And have, you know, it's really dark. Wow. And then like a twist. at the end... Also, that was the right thing to do. What? Well, that's where that's where <laughs> it all kind of that's where it all kind of goes to hell for me. And then at the end, um, there's this wedding scene, and they've tricked him into marrying the mother of the child, which is supposed to be this beautiful, happy ending. And then he sees his child, and he's like, "Oh, that's, oh, this is what's meant to be." And I'm like, "Wait, no, like he sold you to a rapist, and so the." I've been really balancing like the outrage I feel about this plot with the fact that it's basically a story that would be absolutely fitting in the Me Too movement today. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I give you the newest song from Anakuga, and here is Ashes to Ashes.
find it very interesting is your use of juxtaposition. So you have these beautiful like operatic notes and uh, melodies and and lyrics and you're putting them on top of this almost indistinguishable guitar. It's like it's like on in some cases borderline like noise category like yeah. light noise. Why did you choose this particular instrument I guess is what like literal yeah. instrument to to add that to your Yeah. You know, well opera. there's a couple reasons there's an artistic reason that I really like putting down a pad and then putting away the guitar and kind of singing on top of it, that gives you a lot of note freedom. The other thing is like, I don't, I don't play great piano, so I wrote this whole thing on piano and then I'm like, well, am I gonna perform it on piano? That's gonna be like me, 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 you know, that's gonna be, I'm gonna perform some of it on the piano, but um, you know, as this song develops, I'll probably build more of a guitar part for it, but probably by October 6th, it's gonna have to be pretty open like that. So it's kind of like, it's part of that need, like I've got deadlines, I've got limited numbers of skills and I've got, you know, I gotta do, I gotta get it done. So a lot of it started that way and then it sort of became like what I do, so. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's almost like convenience became. Yeah, know. convenience kind of became art, became convenience. Yeah, no, I know, That's, I love, the, yeah, it's super epic. Um, let's give it up for Anna Coogan, everybody. Thank you. Amazing, thank you so much for being here. I want to give a quick shout out to our awesome sponsor, Ithaca Bakery. You, that picture of you, so cute. It's up on our Instagram, at Ithaca's Music. Give it a follow, give it a like. It's the most <laughs> adorable picture on the planet. Um, it was a killer smoothie. Yeah, rock on it. Ithaca Bakery, for our, being our season one sponsor. Thank you so much, everybody, for being here. I'm Victoria DeBerry. Give it up one more time for Anna Coogan, everybody. Thank you.
when we settle it'll be by the shores of the crooked sea by the docks and by the rails by the ships with their crooked sails by the stars with their dying light their lonely cries keep me up all night For the rest of this set, and for the multicam behind-the-scenes video, please visit IthacaIsMusicPodcast.com. For more about Anna Coogan, go to AnnaCoogan.com. Support for Ithaca Is Music comes from Ithaca Bakery. They have graciously sponsored our entire first season. Check them out at IthacaBakery.com. We are big fans and are very thankful for their continued love of local food and local music. Ithaca is Music is produced by me, Jeff Goodmark, and John Carter of New Vine Records. I can't say enough about what an amazing job John does mixing and editing each episode. To learn more about John and his amazing studio, go to newvinerecords.com. Our video is recorded and produced by Jonathan Hochberg of Finger Lakes Music Press at fingerlakesmusicpress.com, and our website is hosted and maintained by 14850.com. Additional contributions come from Ramsey Browse, Travis McDowell, Ari Kisseloff, Mark Ambinder, with support from Matt Reese and Justin McGuire of Lot 10. This week, our live sound engineer was me. Artistic direction provided by Mickey Quinn of Mighty Productions. Our theme music is provided by The Uncommons. For more of their music, go to facebook.com slash theuncommonsband. A very special thanks goes out to our host, Victoria DeBerry. You can peek into her crazy life on Instagram at V2B Music. That's V-E-E-D-A-B-E-E Music. Next time on Ithaca is Music, we bring you Sim Redman Band. Since their inception in 1999, Sim Redman Band has been one of Ithaca's most popular and influential bands, blending roots rock, African, and Jamaican music. And remember, summer arrives with a length of lights, and summer blows away and quietly gets swallowed by a wave. Please subscribe to Ithaca is Music on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen to or stream podcasts. A five-star rating and review will help other people find this pod, so thanks in advance for that.